Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. Uh, this week's uh, episode is taking a little bit of a different direction. We're going to be talking about space, not the final frontier, uh, but some might say it is as we enter a, uh, a new period in work life uh, after a couple of years of uh, massive disruption and forced adoption. Uh, we find ourselves in a position where we have an awful lot of space and uh, not and a lot of people working uh, remotely and from home. Uh, and all of the equipment in front of us that has allowed us to do that, if you think about it, um, Lucas, uh, you know, you were right in the middle of it when this happened in March of, nine, of 2020, when uh, our IT folks were scrambling around for old training oh, yeah. laptops and did a remarkable job in getting people fitted up for uh, working from home with printers and all of that stuff. Um, okay, we're two years on, and in the aftermath of that, it is what have we learned uh, and what can we do to better uh, or, or make our work lives more efficient and s- effectively save on the space that we have. Um, this is a big discussion because many of the places that we uh, have are rented and we have lease agreements. But I'd like to broaden it out a little bit more and talk about what are some of those things that people were predicting coming true. So when this happened, there was this big thing about people are moving out of the cities, they're moving into the country, they're go, they, they want more space because they're going to be working from home, they want more space for their kids, and the cities are going to become uh, wastelands and nobody's going to living in there. Well, I don't think that's happened, but you, you know, you are our resident expert on in real estate and what's going on in the community, uh, not only around here but in Massachusetts. So maybe we could br- begin there. Yeah. What What are the takeaways for the property market for both business and residential post COVID? Well, I, I, I do see um, a section of the population moving from the city to the suburbs. When I think about myself, you know, right, you meet somebody you're serious, you're still living in the city, that is expediting people moving out of the city to the burbs, and that's actually affecting the rental market in places like Brockton, Massachusetts, right? Uh, I've been looking for a two-bedroom apartment now for a couple of individuals, and I can't find a two-bedroom apartment within the city of Brockton. That being said, uh, there is a new generation of people moving into the city that want that city life, you know, the city, the life that I actually miss every day. Uh, for the last 18 years of my life, it's, um, you know, there's something to be said living in the city. Um, convenience, food, entertainment, so on. I personally think that uh, what we'll see in the next six months is somewhat of going back to normalcy in terms of everyday life. I do see people going out, bars, restaurants, and I think that will actually impact um the vacancy rates in the cities. Now, the funny part about it, when you think about commercial space, commercial office space, a lot of companies are trying to force people to go back into the office, but what they really don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, people from Apple to Google to, you know, BAMSI, our plan is in its infancy, and I think that uh, by looking at the data that we've collected over the last month or so, we can begin planning a hybrid work model based on reality, based on people's rhythm of coming into the office. Because I actually think that it's important for organizations, both for-profit and non-profit, to really um, tailor the typical work life to more of a work-life balance with family. Child care is still an issue. Uh, Child care centers are closing all around the country. So I think that um, you'll see an impact in the next couple of months where you'll see a new generation going into the city, people probably in their early 20s, 
moving out to the burbs a little bit quicker than usual because of the market. You really can't find houses in, sub, in the sub, in suburbs these days. And that's going to impact uh, a lot of companies too. I mean, I, I know for a fact that some companies in Brockton are looking to move their footprint from downtown Brockton to places like probably uh, Westwood, uh, you know, uh, train hub. Mm-hmm. There's also shopping right there. And if people do need to go into the city, they can just hop on a train in a couple of 20 minutes here in downtown Boston. Yeah, I mean, so much to unpack there. But yeah. um, let's talk the great resignation as well, because surely that's going to have an effect on, on our economy as well and where people live. Because if people are saying, I don't want to be in the labor market, and I realize that a lot of people have taken early retirement and, yeah. and that kind of thing, but there is definitely an, an, a dent in our, in our workforce at the moment. Um, does that mean that there's less you know, um, money in the system that people will be settling for uh, smaller houses, uh, smaller cars uh, as the labor as the labor market shrinks. Is that going to have an effect on our on our uh, real estate in in Massachusetts? I don't. I actually, when you look, I personally don't. Just based on the fact that the economy in Massachusetts is really based on what higher education, biotech, healthcare, yeah. all booming. Uh, whereas uh, some other states aren't so lucky to actually have these stable, always growing markets where, you know, biotech feeds into the college system uh, before a lot of kids were graduating from school in Boston and moving to Silicon Valley. I'm not sure that's happening these days. Uh, you know, the, the rental market in Boston is probably number two in the country right now. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to change. Um, I think the great resignation, people are just fed up. You know, I think people between. COVID and probably they weren't happy with their, with their work before COVID. And now they're at a point where people are like, you know, I'm done. And I actually think that, you know, initially this country, when you think about it, there was no middle class. Immigrants came in. They became the middle class. They fed the college system. I actually see a, the potential of that happening again. A lot of people that are born in this country, they're becoming more and more specialized in their training, which leaves a wide gap in the trades yeah. and people be just being laborers and actually being able to afford to put food on the table and pay rent because obviously the first generation people that are coming to this country now they can't afford to buy a house so they're going to be renting for a while right right and the more there's difficulty in buying houses yeah. so you know you and I've had this conversation I have three kids who are in their late 20s early 30s and they I mean, they've got okay jobs. They're not making a fortune. They cannot afford it. They looked in Norton, which is a reasonably affordable community, went to look at two or three houses. There were were already cash offers on those houses without an inspection. So therefore, the rental market goes up. Their rent has gone up, um, I think, nearly three or four hundred dollars a month recently. So that puts that pressure on them. Let's talk a little bit, though, about planning, because you mentioned before that, you know, <clears throat> this country has sort of been reacting. It's been re- in reactive mode as opposed to proactive. Um, and a lot of people don't have plans. So it is like you'll work at home. And I've seen this with a lot of other for-profit companies where they go, no, you'll come back into work. Or what has happened is that people have just said we're shutting down this building. So oftentimes those people own those buildings and they, they'll say you're never going to come back into work anymore. And people don't like that either. Yeah. So um, I know that you've been at the heart of some of the planning that we've been doing here at BAMSI and that is to um, the real way forward and I hear this all the time is a hybrid model, this idea of maintaining the structure and the, um, and the community of BAMSI but taking advantage of the fact that now we've equipped many of our folks 
uh, to work remotely. And let's just remember that the vast majority of people at BAMSI don't or, and cannot work at home because right. they're working in the programs. And yeah. So it's always a it's always a delicate conversation, I think, because the privilege of working at home is really a privilege, and making uh, making sure that that works for people is important. While remembering rem- remembering that not everybody can do that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of hybrid, Peter, I remember actually having a conversation with you. Uh, saying that my position is that um, COVID w- would be tough, but it would be an opportunity for, for BMC to do bif- the, uh, business a different way. And what I've known, uh, what I've seen over the last 18 months or, or whatnot is really that shift to people working from home, working from different locations, which is an opportunity for us to change the way we actually provide a safe, comfortable uh, creative work environment. Um, I think that again, we implemented that platform Maptician about a month ago. We are going to be able to make changes to the workspace based on reality, based on people's needs, and I think that uh, you know, hopefully, this will be able to help the organization shift not only the way provide support services, but also the way they provide um, maybe telehealth services mm-hmm. or may perhaps provide uh, services in the community a little bit differently. Uh, but again, um, the administrative function of BAMSI will never go back to the way it was before the pandemic. I actually think that just by looking at the data that we have now, we actually have a, an opportunity to consolidate buildings and probably save close to $200,000 a year uh, right off the bat, you know. And I think that my biggest concern is what you mentioned earlier is that its perception is being sensitive to the fact that 1,200 people cannot work from home. Mm-hmm. And how do we balance that efficiency of a, of a lessened footprint but at the same time being able to really provide the support that's needed by the twelve or 1,300 people that work 24-7. That's right. And making sure that, <clears throat> that, that let's say there's $200,000 that we save from moving out of one building yeah. into another. What do we do with that? Do we put that right back into the workforce? Because that's exactly what the plan is. And so as long as that message gets through to people, I think it is, it's, it is, it is right that it's a privilege to work at home. But also, you're giving up something here, and you're giving up the fact that your primary place of work is essentially your home. So yeah. the idea of putting your all of your pictures of your kids out on the table and pictures on the wall is is really a thing of the past. And we're moving to a place where you come into the office to book space mm-hmm. for specific reasons. I needed to be in the office because I'm meeting some people who are coming from out of town today, uh, and I need a space for it. If I can do it at home, I'll do it at home, which frees up space space gets repurposed um, for touchdown space you know i i could now see myself for instance doing a day in worcester um you know a a day down in in foxborough a couple of days you know so that so that i'm not confined by space space is available and that's a real mind shift i think for people Oh, it is. You know, you and I joked about everybody, um, joked recently about everybody's pro-hybrid until the moving boxes show up, right? And uh, I think that it's um, it's a learning experience for the organization. I actually believe that by going out to other offices throughout the organization, it will actually help 
decrease the divide between administrative functions and field operations. When people in field operations see people from administrative administrative functions working at Foxborough or Worcester, they're going to be able to build those relationships that will better meet the needs of the organization. I think so. Uh, I think there's all sorts of good that can come out of this. Um, not everybody's going to be happy about it. And by the way, not everybody can work at home. There are going to be some uh, situations where there is where it's not possible for people. I think about um, very sensitive situ- situations where there might be domestic violence in the home, yeah. for instance. And we need to be really careful about that. So the uh, so lots of I think the way that we're we're approaching it is that we're we're, we're looking for a percentage of capacity, yeah. a number of people in the office, and how those departments deal with that really is their business. Right. So as long as we make sure that the free space available meets the needs of the bigger group. Correct. And in addition to that, too, it's, you know, um, I've been thinking about recently as a workforce continues to work from home, what is considered a workers' compensation claim? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think we need to actually have those conversations with the insurance company to make sure that we're covered in terms of workers' compensation, auto um, uh, auto accidents or whatnot, because I, I do sense just by looking at the occupancy here at 10 Christie Drive, you know, we're at 25% occup- cap capacity right now. Um, and I do – the trend recently in the last week or two is for people to adhere to that 25%. Initially, people were not adhering. They were like, that's not for me. Uh, you know, that's for somebody else. But if you look at the reservation data for the last, I'm going to say, six to seven, maybe eight business days, you do see a trend of people adhering to 25%, which is a good thing, right? Because we don't want to force people to do things. We want people to buy into the idea. And if we actually can show the result, listen, you know, either we put the savings into the workforce by each uh, actual increased wages or by covering the ever-increasing Costs of healthcare, that's a win for everybody. That's right. Our money is more fungible if yes. we're able to do that. I guess, I guess I'd end um, by asking you, if you had a million dollars to invest right now, yeah. would you invest in the suburbs or in the city? I probably would invest in industrial warehouse space and rent it to Amazon. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a horrible view of the future, Lucas, but it might be a very true one. Thank you so much, Lucas. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>